John chapter 18, verses 36 through 37. John 18, 36 through, 20, through 37. And tonight we want to look at addressing the conscience and the intellect. Addressing the conscience and the intellect. Uh, I have preached this before, probably four or five years ago here. And uh, it is my desire to preach it again tonight. Maybe to help us as we witness that we would have a better understanding of our role in sharing the gospel and understand that it is God, ultimately, who does the saving. Amen. So, John eighteen thirty six, the Bible says, And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. May the Lord bless the reading and the receiving and the obeying of His word. Obviously, we don't, we're not going to go back through the narrative here and per se get us up to speed on what's going on. That's not my intent tonight. But we know that Christ here is having a dialogue with Pilate. Who is Pilate? He is the governor of Judea. Pilate asked him a question. He says, Thine own nation, in verse 35, and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? What did you do, Jesus of Nazareth, to make these people hate you? What did you do to make them so angry that they are willing to bring you to me to sentence death upon you? So Christ answered him in verse 36. And then he gave him another answer, verse 37, but we'll look at it here in a little bit. So Christ's answer in verse 36 on one hand would comfort Pilate, assuring him that no army was going to come to try and deliver Christ at this present time. Ever, really. He says, my kingdom, notice what it says, is not of this world. Great comfort for Pilate. He didn't have to worry about an uprising by the people looking at Christ and listening to His words from an earthly perspective, showed no danger to Pilate or anyone else. But on the other hand, Christ's answer should have really bothered Pilate. It should have concerned him greatly. Understand that Christ is addressing Pilate's intellect and conscience. You know, Paul did the same thing with Agrippa. In the book of Acts, chapter 26, let's go to Acts 26. Verse 
Acts 26, verse 12. We'll start there. We'll read down to verse 29. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining around about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth. I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. Both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear, unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. But shoot first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet or worthy for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue to this day witnessing both to small and great Say none other things than those which the prophets of Moses did say should come. Who's Paul preaching to? Who's he being a witness to? Everybody. Everybody. What's he telling them? Scripture. Moses and the prophets. Scripture. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should shew light unto, unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. Paul, in telling his story here, what the Lord would have him do, and how the Lord would have him suffer, he is addressing the conscience and the intellect. The conscience and the intellect, that's where reasoning takes place. This reasoning begins after we have, re, after we have heard the words spoken to us. So whatever is spoken to us, we take it in and we begin to process it. This is not just with the gospel, this is with anything in life. 
whatever it may be that you are interested in, you hear something on that, if you want to learn, you begin to dwell on it. Your conscience, your, your intellect. This is another reason we are to proclaim the gospel accurately, as it is the gospel from the Word of God, not watering it down, not changing it whatsoever, but proclaiming the gospel. Romans 10, 17. Let's go to Romans 10. We looked at it this morning a little bit, I think, in Sunday school. Maybe morning service. I don't remember. Sometimes they run together. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What is it we give to people? Not our opinions. We don't go saying that our church has better singing than your church, or our church has better preaching than your church. My pastor looks better than your pastor. We don't go and try to sway people by our opinions. What do we do? We go presenting the gospel to this lost and dying world. And then God does what only God can do. God, as we'll see here in a little while, He quickens people. We can't do that. But we see in verse 13, For whosoever, that means Jew or Gentile, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? There's questions there. They can't. God saves people and God uses people. He has given us a message that doesn't need to be tweaked by us. And we go out and proclaim the gospel message. And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Here in John chapter 18, back in John chapter 18, when Christ said that my kingdom is not of this world, what Pilate didn't get is that Christ was warning him of a kingdom in another world. (laughs) There's more than what we see here and now, isn't there? Amen. There's the third heaven, which is where the throne of God is, and where the saints who have died abide. For all whom the Lord saves, this is their eternal home. You and I don't see this. What we see is the here and the now. And we understand that our minds are limited. God is infinite. What are we? Finite. We're limited in our knowledge. We're limited in our understanding. And the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, when Christ was speaking, He's speaking of Himself, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So who is it that we proclaim to this world? We proclaim Christ to this world. I do want to clarify the Jesus Christ of the Bible, as we mentioned this morning. Because there is also a place called hell, the lake of fire and brimstone. This is where all whom the Lord does not save will spend eternity. 
this present world in which, you, in which we live in is not hell. It may, it may feel like it outside sometimes. 100 something degrees, we're not used to that, right? 100, yeah, but 100 and something? No, we're not used to that. But this ain't hell, folks. This is not hell. Hell, hell is a literal place where real people go every day. The Bible tells us there are more on the broad road than there are on the narrow road. In Mark 9, Christ described hell as the place where the worm dies not and the fire is never quenched. It is a place of eternal torments. Never ending. Matthew 7, 13, Christ says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Revelation 20, 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Peace. With God. And eternity in heaven with Christ. Deliverance from the penalty of our sins. To be excluded from the wrath of God is only through Jesus Christ. He is the message that we proclaim. I'm afraid that In our day and times, people are so much in competition. And even churches end up in competition with one another. People start using the church or their pastor as a propaganda tool. People become pragmatic. In the sense that bigger is better. In the sense that saying to a church down the road is doing this, and they got thousands coming, let's do the same thing because it, it must be working to where people say, if God is in it, it's going to work. Not realizing that the church down the road could very well be a heretical church. And they're doing things that's not biblical. And those who are lost love it. Amen. I hope you all understand that some of the most popular preachers today are heretics some of the biggest churches today now don't take what I'm saying the wrong way just because a church has a lot of people does not mean it's a, it's a heretical church Okay, there are churches that have a lot listen we live in a, in a very let me say it this way people call us backwoods that's how far out in the country we live we don't live in the woods but we live behind the woods we are in the backwoods So there's not a whole lot of people, right? Is God, yes, God is able to do as He would see fit. We're not here to try to fill the pews, are we? That's not our job. No, our job is to preach the gospel. You know, Christ said that He would build His church, and He's the one that builds it. He's the one that adds to it. What do we do? We proclaim the gospel. Very thankful for deliverance from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. So the question comes up, 
So what do I have to do to go to hell? And the answer is nothing. Whatsoever. Absolutely nothing. Just keep living like you live. There's nothing that you have to do to go to hell. Why? Because you're already headed that way. You were born, you and I are born depraved. We are born destitute of holiness. This means that we never had it and then we lost. No, we never had it, period. We're born sinners. We're born in need of the Savior. Do nothing. And you will spend eternity in hell. I'm not advocating that you can work for your salvation. It's not what I'm saying. Because we know that's not possible. But to go to hell, you simply have to do nothing. What's the Bible say do? Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. In Acts 16, the Philippian jailer came running to Paul and Silas and, and, and fell at their feet and asked, What must I do to be saved? What a great question. Amen. What had he been hearing all that night? Paul and Silas singing praises unto God. Uh, let me add this, biblical praises. Not some kind of worldly tune. Can you imagine hearing two men thrust into the inner prison, fast in the stocks, when they should be in there crying out in pain and cursing God and cursing man, but no, instead they're, and they're singing praises to God. These people are different. They're actually living what they're preaching. And that went into his intellect. He was hearing these things. His conscience was bothered by it. And the Lord was working. How do we know this? Because it doesn't matter what event happened, whether an earthquake, hurricane, volcano, that's not what causes people to run to Jesus. Amen. Because if that's the case, these world wars that we've had, the world would have been running to Jesus. But they, but they wasn't. And they aren't today. No, he came in. What must I do to be saved? And the answer they gave may surprise some people because of its simplicity. Let's go to Acts 16, since I've been talking about it. Acts 16. Verse 29. Then he called for a light and sprang in. And came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house, implying that all in his home who also believe shall be what? Saved. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. They spake unto him the word of the Lord. 
They gave him scripture. This believing comes from an intellectual knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection. It's not based off of an experience or an emotion. That's why it's so important that we correctly proclaim the gospel. So that people's faith and their trust will not be in what a man has said. It will not be in anything that they have done. Their trust will fully be in Jesus Christ. The gospel must first be presented to the intellect. The Holy Spirit quickens people, and then by God's grace they are able to receive the gospel, and not until the Spirit quickens them can they receive the gospel, and then they are able to believe it by faith. We understood, as we learned again this morning in Sunday school, that this faith is not of themselves. It is what? The gift of God. Our faith is not us taking our bootstraps and Pulling them on, right? It's a gift given to us by God to be able to believe. Why? Because outside of that, we can't. More than that, we won't. We'll get there in just a second. The faith is a gift of God's grace, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. In this process, God draws the sinner, John 6, 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Do what? Draw him. And then in John 6, 37, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. God draws the sinner, makes the sinner willing, and saves him for Jesus' sake, and promises to raise him up at the last day. So back to John 18, what did Christ do? Christ was addressing Pilate's conscience. But Pilate did not take heed to what Christ was saying. And here's why. Because he could not hear. Oh, he heard him. He heard the words. But spiritually, he was dead, as the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. We are dead in trespasses and sins. John eight forty seven, Christ says, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. He was talking to the religious crowd there. They became very angry at the end of that chapter and picked up stones to kill him because they could not hear and understand what Jesus was saying so it made them mad this ought to help us and understand that not everyone that we present the gospel to will hear and understand I used to think that if I left someone and they did not cry out to Jesus that I was a failure I said, i got to get better at trying to present the gospel because there's no way I'll keep leaving these people and the Lord's not saving their souls. I had a wrong understanding. One plants, one waters, and God gives the increase. When I finally understood that, there was a relief. There was a peace there. 
just because they didn't cry out to the Lord to save, this because the Lord didn't save them at that, that point, that place, doesn't mean I was a failure. It's my job, my responsibility, it's my mandate from the Lord to correctly and precisely proclaim the gospel. Share it. Give the gospel. And don't do the work of the Holy Spirit because actually we can't. We can't produce false fire, can we? To make people feel a certain way. We can't put people on guilt trips. You know, I come to learn it's the same thing with church members. I can't make y'all love the Lord. I can't. I can't make y'all crucify your flesh. I can't make y'all be faithful to the, to the Word, faithful in prayer, faithful in family devotions, faithful to the Lord's house. I can't make y'all do that. Nor is it my responsibility to make you do that. I am to pastor you. I am to pray for you. I am to feed you the Word of God accurately. But I can't, I'm not Lord over your life. I can't make you love the Lord Jesus Christ. John 10, 26. Christ said this, uh, let's back to verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me, but ye believe not. Why? Because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There are some who want to see results. We have a, we are driven today to have an altar call. We're pushed to have that. And often, if no one comes to the altar, or if just two or three people come, then the preacher feels like he was a failure in his presentation of the message that he proclaimed. People will even leave saying, good message, good message. But when the altar is full, people say, oh, God met with us tonight. So he said, he didn't meet with you last night? Or last time? What's that based off of? Feelings, emotions, and what we can what? See. Lord, help us. Some go outside of a simple presentation of the gospel and resort to gimmicks, music, and manipulating people's emotions. And as a result of this, many have a false conversion, and their life shows it. It's drudgery to read your Bible. It's drudgery to pray. It's drudgery to get up and go to church. Understand this, Christ did not pull on Paul's emotions. Christ simply spoke the truth, didn't he? Christ didn't play a sad song. No. He simply spoke the truth. John 18, 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. What Christ said in verse 36 of John 18 was incomprehensible for Pilate. 
He did not grasp it. Here's a quote from A.W. Pink, one of my favorite authors. It says, The quiet and dignified bearing of the one before him, the threefold reference to his kingdom, the declaration that it was not of this world, the calm assertion that though in bonds he was possessed of servants, plus a strong hint that his dominion would yet be firmly established, though not by the sword, was more than Pilate could grasp. Pilate did understand that Christ was no present threat to Caesar. He's trying to understand that Christ, that Christ is a king. He has a kingdom, but it's not of this world. So he's not a threat to Caesar. Therefore, he's not a threat to Pilate's rule either. But in a state of puzzlement, Pilate asked Christ, back in John 18, he says, Art thou a, a king then? Are you, are you a king? Are you sure you're a king? Because your kingdom's not of this world. If it were, then your servants would rise up and fight. But they're not of this world. Christ did not deny that he was a king. No. He went further in alluding to why he came to this earth. He says again in verse 37, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear a witness unto the truth. This proclaims that Christ was doing the perfect will of God. What was Christ? He was as a lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. The word born in this verse denotes finality. Destination. Christ came to this earth. Why? Christ came to die. When we celebrate Christmas, we think about Christ and as a babe and uh, in a manger. We have all the little scenes where they have the shepherds out there and sheep and animals and all these things. True, Christ came, right? Why'd He come? Christmas is not my favorite holiday, I promise you that. I sure do love the resurrection day. Amen. Christ came to live a sinless life. He did. Perfect obedience to the Father, even unto death, even unto the death on the cross, Philippians 2 tells us. Christ was not born so we could, so we could give each other gifts. No, he was born to live a sinless life and die on the cross for sinners, in place of sinners. We learned this this morning that Christ did not begin to exist in the womb of Mary. No, He has always been. He makes this clear by saying this in this verse, For this cause came I into the world. This implies motion from a place or person to another. Christ left heaven and came to this earth at the appointed time, Galatians 4 4 through 5, if you want to read it. He came at the appointed time to die the appointed death. Acts 2, 23. Who appointed all this? 
the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When did they appoint all this? Before the foundation of the world. He came at the appointed time to die the appointed death for the appointed people. Romans chapters 8 and 9. And while Christ was here on earth, up until He gave up the ghost, He witnessed unto the truth. Truth in this verse means divine truth, gospel truth, as opposed to heathen and Jewish fables. Do y'all know what the Jewish nation had got wrapped up in at this time? Traditions, traditions, traditions. Jewish fables, all those things. And that's one reason they hated Christ, because when Christ came in, He preached truth. They said, never a man spake like this man. In other words, there's no one else preaching like he, He's preaching. What's He preaching? Truth. And with authority from the Word of God. Christ always spoke the truth, and the life He lived and the deeds He did opposed heathen and Jewish fables. You know, people love Christ for His miracles. Early on in His ministry, when He's healing people, feeding the multitudes, people loved Him. They flocked to Him. But when you turn to John chapter 6, when He began to really teach, and I hope that doesn't come across the wrong way, but when He would sit down and distinctively teach the Scriptures, Many of them were offended in John chapter. Let's turn to John chapter 6. Let's look at verse 60. John 6, 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. He said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They could not handle the teachings of Christ. They loved him for his miracles, but they hated him for what he said. They hated him for what he taught. Then it said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. What's the difference there? Simon Peter had, the Lord had already saved Simon Peter. Those who left, we're not really saved. We see that through the Bible, don't we? 
Paul says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And 2 Timothy. 1 John chapter 2 says that they went out from us because they were not of us. They may come in and they may look good, they may sound good, they may have the right answers. But time will tell. Time will tell. There are lots of things Christ said that made people mad. You know, there are multitudes of people today who hate the Bible. Christ would say things like repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of God is at hand. He would over and over again call the Pharisees hypocrites and children of Satan. Jesus was not concerned about offending anyone on this earth. He called sin, sin. He proclaimed that He was the only way to the Father. His life was true and His words are truth. And though He offended men, listen to this, He never offended the Father. I'm afraid that we are bashful, shy, and hold back on speaking truth sometimes because we're afraid we're going to offend somebody. Now there is tactfulness that's very important. You know, as a, as a, a younger Christian, I didn't have tactfulness. And I thought it was spirituality, but it was really stupidity. Amen. I'd go in with all my guns blazing. I told them. Told them how I was. I wasn't trying to appeal to the intellect or the conscience. I was trying to make me look good. I remember those days. And they grieved me. I hate that. Good people say, don't cuss around me. Like I'm kind of some kind of special holy thing. What's that do? What I was doing was fleshly. And what I was doing was putting barriers up to where the people that I should have been trying to reach, I was just like the Jews. I was holier than thou. And instead of trying to reach people, I was making them try to look and feel bad to make myself look and feel better. We've got to be careful when we witness. So why is it that we're witnessing? Why is it that we're sharing the gospel? Tactfulness is important. Have you all ever heard of, heard of the cage stage? A new Christian, new doctrines. You put them in a cage for a little while, just lock them up and feed them bread and water. Why? Because they're out there. They're boom, 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 throwing grenades, blowing things up. And they're making a mess. <laughs> Y'all been there? That's why it's good to be instructed by the Word of God. Tactfulness is important. When we are witnessing, we are telling people the gospel, not to make ourselves look good. First of all, we are being obedient to the, the Father. And we're doing it out of passion with compassion. Because we understand that if they die without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, where do they go? They go to hell. That should grieve us. 
grievous. Probably some of the hardest ones to talk to about the gospel is our own families. Whether it's immediate families or cousins or so on and so forth. Maybe even some of our old friends. We may even push a little more on them than we should. Again, that's where, that's where tactfulness comes in and understanding the sovereignty of God. We pray. We have learned when we looked at the decrees of God, what God has decreed to come to pass will come to pass. And in what God has decreed, He uses people. And He uses people's prayers. He uses people's prayers to accomplish His will. I, do I understand all that? I don't. But He does. We're told to pray without ceasing. Pray that the Word of God would have free course. It would flow through and penetrate the hearts and the hearts and the minds, same thing, of people. And that God would do the work. Tactfulness is important. How about patience? Do y'all ever want to get impatient and run us somebody and say, Why can't you hear? Why can't you understand? Why can't you see? And it'd be nice if God would say from heaven, because they're dead in trespasses and sins. Wait a second, he did say that, didn't he? Ephesians 2. That's why they can't. So we keep proclaiming the gospel, because we don't know who God is working in. We don't know who God is quickening, right? That's what God does. That's not what we do. We are faithful not just to say it, it's very important that we live it. If we don't live what we're proclaiming, people's going to say, hypocrite. Here he comes. He's going to say something about Jesus, but he's going he's to go over there and throw a cuss and fit. Lord, help us. He's going to get mad, punch holes in a wall, kick doors, slam his fist down, No, it's very important that we live what we preach. Christ says this at the end of verse 37. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Everyone who is a lover of the truth hears his voice. And those who hear His voice follow Him according to His word and are living and looking for His return. In John chapter 10, look at verses 3 and 5. John 10, 3 and 5, or 3 through 5. Christ says in verse 3 of John 10, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Pilate was looking. 
at Emmanuel, God in the flesh. Pilate was listening to the best preacher ever. The one who always did the will of the Father. But he didn't hear, did he? See, after Christ died, was buried, and rose again, Pilate continued worshiping his pagan gods. The Jews continued on worshiping their religious system. They did not hear Christ's words, for they were not lovers of the truth. That's sobering, isn't it? Christ even said, speaking about Jerusalem, He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. How often I would have gathered you under my wings, as doth a chick. It's a chicken. But thou what wouldest not. Thou wouldn't. You wouldn't come. You wouldn't hear. The lost cannot hear unless the Lord opens up their ears and quickens them. Let me ask you all this. How many times did you hear the gospel before you actually heard it? Think about it. How many times did someone get up and preach truth and it was for you, it was like water on a duck's back. Like, okay, checklist, done. Let me get on out of here. When we witness to others, it's important that we understand and remember these truths. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His grace, His long-suffering, His patience. I'm thankful that He's the one that saves souls in spite of us. For His glory. For His honor. Amen. And as it was said this morning, even in Sunday school, we are His workmanship, aren't we? Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It's so important how we live. If you really want to be an impactful witness for Jesus Christ, we need to watch what we say. Watch how we say it. Watch how we conduct ourselves. You know what people are today? They are very critical. They've always been like that. They're looking for reasons to say, he or she, they're not real. They say this, but look what they do. If that's what true Christianity is, I don't want it. You ever heard somebody say that? Now, I know we, we, we stop and think, man, what do I do? How do I do this? Even Paul said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul said, I'm doing those things I don't want to do. And I'm doing, but I'm not doing what I want to do. 
So we understand it's a constant battle, isn't it? We must have a conscience understanding of who we are and who our God is. Is He able? I think too often that we make this world about us. Things aren't going how? My way. God's not saving souls on my timing. What we're saying is, if I was God, I'd do it like this. I'm glad that me or you are not God, because we've already messed it up. God is all-knowing, all-powerful. and He is the one that saves. Isn't it wonderful to know that according to the Bible that you are saved? And as I cried out this morning, I cried out again this evening. I beg you to examine yourself by the Scriptures and make sure that the Lord has saved your soul. We don't go back to a feeling or an emotion or a date or time. No, we examine ourselves by the Word of God to make sure we are in the faith. That's what the Bible says do. We understand that salvation is eternal. There's no way to lose it. Hallelujah. We are secure in Christ Jesus because of Christ Jesus. I, I like a term that Brother Nick uses, if ever saved, forever saved. Brother Nick Holden. Make sure that you didn't make a decision based off, on, on, based off of emotions. If you did, then your life is going to show it. Thank God for the gospel because it is the power of God and the salvation to all who do what? Believe. As Romans 1.16 says, to the Jew and also to the Greek. And I'm thankful that you and I can't save anybody. And I'm thankful that God uses people to proclaim the gospel. Let's pray.